Uh, the little handout, we put this, the, this is my entire message right here. And we're, we're, what I'm going to try and do is uh, I'm going to try and get it on these two pages every week, my message. And by the time we're done, there'll be 10 messages in Galatians, and you'll have 10 sheets that, ha- that are an overview of the entire message of Galatians. So it'd be great to uh, go through with your family or with somebody else. And um, so uh, that, that's the reason that uh, we weren't handing the the messages out back there today. They weren't on the back table. They're actually in your hands today. So, uh, um, uh, Lord, we, we just pray that as we uh, look at this time of uh, learning your truth, one of our one of our one of the parts of our mission statement is to learn your truth, and that's what we want to do now. We, we want to learn it in any way that we can. We. We, we want to be students of your word, but more than that, we not only want to be hearers of your word, we want to be doers. That's when it shows up that we belong to you. And so, Lord, show us how to take the passage we're looking at today and make it personal in our own lives. There are a couple of real practical ways we can use what we're going to look at today, but uh, may we get the, the message that you want to communicate here that a person satisfies your justice by trusting in the one who did satisfy your justice and that his, that's the person whose name is Jesus. Thank you for dealing with the sin issues. Thank you that we can be right with you, not by any law or performance, but by our trust in the wonderful person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. Uh, the, uh, there's a saying today, live, live the best life. Um, and, and I was thinking about that statement. How, how, how can the Christian live the best life? I would say, how can a Christian reach their potential? Would be the, probably the way I would say that. And, and there are three parts. And we've given these many times through the years. I hope you've memorized them. But the three parts of authentic Christianity or genuine Christianity include walking in line with the Word of God. That would be obedience. By the power of the Spirit of God. That would be trust or faith. And you do it for the purpose of bringing glory to God. The word glory means the essence of who someone is. And so when we talk about God's glory, what we want people to see and and who he will display himself to be through us is we want to see the essence, the core of who he is. And, And so... It's, it's really important that you, you walk in line with the Word of God by the power of the Spirit of God for the purpose of the glory of God. And, and especially the first two, really all three of these, are choices. You make a choice to obey. You make a choice to trust. And the result is God displays His glory through trusting obedient people. It's an obedience that comes through faith. And my thinking on this in terms of how practical it is, is we must evaluate every action and every word and every thought and every choice by those three parts. God, is this this honoring to you? Does it bring glory to you? Does it let you display or express your life through mine? Is it in line with your word? 
Do I, uh, do I know the word well enough so that when I'm thinking about something, I know whether it's in line, whether this action or choice or thought is in line with your word? And am I doing this in your strength, not my own? How does one become a Christian or just with God? How does a person... How is a person? How is God's justice satisfied by a, an individual such as you and me? And we see it repeated in this passage many times. It's not by law. It's not by performing. It's by faith in the one who satisfied the Father's justice, whose name is Jesus. And Jesus' method, God's method, for a successful outcome or for results that are pleasing to him, that bring him glory, God's method for this successful outcome is always faith. Always. Am I going to trust you, God, in the midst of the circumstances I am? Am I going to trust you as I share you with somebody else? Am I going to trust you when I don't care for what's going on in my life or maybe somebody else's life? Am I going to trust you? Now, the background to Galatians is these legalistic Jews. The Galatian, the Galatian people, there were four cities in the area of Galatia. Uh, these, Galatian, these Galatians had, uh, Paul had gone to them, the apostle Paul had gone to them, and he had shared the good news of Jesus Christ. And they had responded with trust and belief. So they had come to know Jesus as Lord. They truly were Christians. And then came along, following in Paul's footsteps, came along some legalistic Jewish people, people from Jerusalem, Jews from Jerusalem, and they were legalistic. And they still thought that a person had to be under the law. And so they said to the Christians there in Galatia, you, you know, your, your, your faith in Jesus is a, you know, it's a good start, but, but you must obey the law in order to truly be right or just with God. In order to satisfy God's justice, you must obey the law, and, and if you're a male, you must be circumcised. Otherwise, you're not a Christian. You're not walking as a Christian. You, you aren't even a Christian. And so what Paul is doing is, as we look at this passage today, is he's basically asking a question or making a statement, really. Galatian Christians, your, your current actions are a contradiction to your spiritual beginning. Something's not matching up here. You became a Christian by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, but that's not showing up in your life because you've placed yourself back under law and rules and regulations. And it's wrong. It's a contradiction to who you are and what took place when you became a Christian. And the point that we're going to see in this entire passage is that no one is made right or walks right with God by law or by his or her works. No one, get that, no one, no one's ever become right with God by their works or by law. And so this goes contrary to the cults and the religions, the many religions. <laughs> Still remember that conversation I had with a couple of missionaries from a cult. And uh, they were, we agreed that we would 
only stay with the Bible because I didn't agree with their other writings. Um, but we both supposedly were in agreement. And I quoted the Romans chapter, chapter um, 3, verse 28. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. And their response was, either that is true and we are wrong, or that is wrong and we are right. And I said, you got it. You understand the issue completely. Because the word, God's word, is our authority. Chapter 2, verse 15. We are Jews by nature and not sinners from among the Gentile or the heathen. Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified, and that means, again, God's justice satisfied. Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus, even we, he's talking about we Jews, have believed in Christ Jesus, so that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, since by the works of the law no flesh will be justified. But if, while seeking to be justified in Christ, we ourselves have also been found sinners, is Christ then a minister of sin? And the answer, of course, is may it never be. For if I rebuild what I've once destroyed, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. Whoa. And Paul is making very clear here, the apostle, as he's writing these words, he's making it very clear that any person, whether you're a Gentile or whether you're a Jew, every person, no matter his background, no matter who you can trace your lineage to, you know, are you from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, which is where the Jews came from, but it doesn't matter a person's background. Every person is a sinner by nature. Jew or Gentile, it doesn't matter. Every person is a sinner by nature. And the Bible makes it very clear in these verses, verses 15 and 16, that a person can't get right or just with God by performance. It's not whether you have the right laws or you're trying to live up to the right laws, even God's law. You can't get right or just with God by performance. That never satisfies God's justice. And God's plan, and this is where we go on the handout there, we're justified or declared and made just with God by faith in Jesus alone. If, if, a per, if, the, if the plan of salvation, you know, that you're trying to share with somebody doesn't include Jesus and his work on the cross, it's not the good news of God. And he says, well, if we're found to be sinners, is it Christ's fault? And he says, no way. 
<laughs> you know what what a you know what what wrong thinking that is. It's not Christ's fault. If you go back to operating by law, you're found to be the one who stepped off the path. You see, the, the law's purposes, and the law does, God gave the law. The law is good. God gave law in the, in the scripture. But he didn't give it for the purpose of salvation or your walk with our Lord. The law's purposes, at least three of them, it reveals sin, it condemns sin, and it arouses sin. That's the purpose of the law. Even for the Old Testament Jews, he gave the law to show them that they were sinners and they needed a deliverer. They, nobody back then, nobody now is saved by law. In fact, if you look at verses, verses, verses 19 through 21, it says you've died to the law. And when did that take place? Well, Romans chapter 7, verse 4 explains that, that, that we, we died to the law through the body of Christ. When Christ died, we died to the law. We died to sin. We died with him. We were buried with him. Remember what we talked about. And we were raised by him to a new life. And you come to that wonderful verse, 20, I know that many of us have memorized that I have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live by the flesh, I live by the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Christ is my life. Christ is your life if you're a Christian. You aren't the old person you used to be. You're not a sinner by nature anymore. He's made you his new creation and we need, to, we need to grasp those truths. You're a new person in Jesus Christ. And so why would you put yourself back under, why would you put the new you back under the law, which you could never keep? We're going to see later on that you're, there's a curse on you. If you disobey just one law, if you're disobedient just once, there's a curse on you. Christ is our life. And we not only became Christians by faith in him, but we live by faith in him, this one who loved us and gave himself up for us. And basically, verse 21, the legalist communicates, your grace and death weren't needed. God, your undeserved favor... I don't need that. I'm handling it by law. I'm performing well, or at least I'm performing better than that other person. Jesus, your death on the cross wasn't needed. <laughs> I, don't need your, I don't need your death in order for me to be right with God. I'm doing it by law. That's what the legalist, and that includes those who are Christians who are still operating by law, who are legalistic and there are Christians who are legalistic. God, your grace, and Jesus, your death were needed. What a slam to God and his plan. Now, I'd like to just go through the notes. Grab your little hand out there. It's in your bulletin, if you aren't following along. 
And I'd like for you on the bottom of page one, toward the bottom at least, where it says read chapter three, verse 1a. And I'd like to read these verses and then I'd like to read from my, I, I, like, I like the way I condensed <laughs> what's there in those five verses because they're such important questions. There are five questions there. So listen as we go through this. In chapter three, verse one, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected or completed by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? So then, does he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you do it by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? You know, that, that first phrase there, you foolish Galatians, I, I, several different uh, translations or paraphrases said this, oh, stupid Galatians. Now, my mom told me not to use that word, so I won't use that one, uh, but there's another one, there's another paraphrase, I think it's J.B. Phillips, I think he translated, you idiotic Galatians. And that's probably more the idea of it. And notice what I put on your hand out there, and we're just going to read through this here. You not understanding, not using your mind, Galatians. It doesn't mean they were mentally deficient. There was not a problem with intellect here. They were simply failing to concentrate on God's truth. They had gone back to the law. They had gone back to practicing law and thinking they were made right with God by law and walking right with God by law. And, and the Bible is very clear that you can't do that. So these Christians here, they're Christians, but they're failing to concentrate on God's truth. Their base of authority is something else other than God's truth. And so he asked them the, these questions, and he says, the first question is, you responded to the clear message of Jesus crucified. That's on your handout. You responded to the clear message of Jesus crucified. Who cast a spell on you? Who bewitched you? You must have been bewitched to forget its essential truths so soon. Jesus crucified Let me ask you a second question. How did you receive the Holy Spirit? Now, the Bible indicates when you became a Christian, when you received Jesus as Lord by faith, received him as Lord, that the Spirit of God took up residence in your body and in my body. And he says, how did you receive the Holy Spirit? Was your reception by following certain laws or was it by faith? The third question how do you intend to complete the Christian life? You began with faith in Christ crucified, receiving the Spirit. Does it make any sense to try and finish by the flesh, by your own efforts? How foolish to think that merely doing the right things or having the right laws will complete you. The fourth question, did you experience so much for nothing? It means to no purpose. 
was, it, was your experience purposeless? It would, did it, <laughs> did it have no meaning at all? And on the next page, when our focus is on the flesh and law, we, we end up living empty lives. The fifth question, again, does God, who freely gives you his spirit and works miracles among you, do these things? Does God do these things because you have obeyed some law or because you heard and believed God's good news? And the obvious answer to all of these, it was by faith. It's by faith. Praise God. That's what I come away from these verses. Praise you, God, for your undeserved favor. Not like the legalist who said, I don't need your grace. I don't need undeserved favor. I don't need that, God. We need to praise God for his grace and his love and his work. Verse 6, even so Abraham, <laughs> he goes back to the first Jew, even so Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him. It's a, that's a, a financial term, really. It's, it's, a, that, that's, it's like a bookkeeping term. It was counted to him as righteousness or justification or that it satisfied God. God's justice satisfied. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. The scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, all the nations, not just the Jewish nation, but all the nations will be blessed in you. So then, those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer." There has never been any other way, clear back to Abraham, and really you can go clear back to the first couple. There's never been any other way of blessing or salvation than through faith. And you look at Abraham, this first Jew, he's the father of the Jews down through Isaac and, and Jacob. But you look at Abraham, and, and God says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you land, seed, and blessing. These are three parts of the, the covenant or the promise that I'm making with you. And it's a one-sided covenant. Nothing can destroy it. And I'm going to make your descendants as the stars of the heavens. Look at the stars of the heavens, and look at all of them. Look at all of them up there. I'm going to make your descendants like that. And that's when Abraham and Sarah didn't have any children yet, and they were old. And the Bible says Abraham believed God in his word. That God's justice was fully satisfied by Abraham's faith in him and his words. And so the real sons of Abraham are not of physical descent. You know that you, where, how you can trace your lineage. The real sons of Abraham are by people who trust God. That includes us. And I put on your handout, what is true about Abraham the believer is true for all genuine believers. We're blessed. We enjoy God's favor.
Verse 10, for as many as of there are of the works of the law. Listen to this. Listen, because you really need to understand that. If you're struggling with this, with the law, or you know somebody else who is, for as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse. And he quotes the Old Testament here. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform them. Now that no one is justified by law before God is evident, for he said, and he says this in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, the righteous man shall live by faith. The righteous man shall live by faith. Verse 12, however, the law is not of faith. On the contrary, he who practices them shall live by them. You're going to suffer the consequences if you break it just once. And then you have this wonderful news in verses 13 and 14, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. In order that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, to the non-Jews, so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. (laughs) See, again, there's nothing wrong with law, but it has different purposes other than salvation. It is not to get you right with God. It is not to enable you to walk right. It can't, it can't, it, it can't justify us. It can't it, it empower us. And he says, if you try and operate under the law, even as a Christian, and don't keep it in its entire, you're, you're placing yourself under a curse. And God has declared that no person can satisfy God's justice by law. Nobody. And he gives the reason why here in that Habakkuk 2.4. The righteous man shall live by faith. It's quoted in the New Testament. It's quoted in Hebrews, Romans. See, faith, faith in the Lord Jesus is where justice and life are found. The law, it's based on perfection, perfect obedience. And you don't always look at it negatively, like, well, you shouldn't do this. You also want to look at it positively when it commands us to do certain things and we don't do them. Be kind. And you didn't take advantage of the opportunity. You weren't kind in that situation. Be loving. Forgiving. Nobody can do it. God didn't even make us to do it. The law drives us, leads us, to see our need of a deliverer. And verses 13 and 14 are very moving to me. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. How did he do that? By becoming a curse in our place. The word redeems means that You go into a slave market and you buy a slave. You purchase a slave. And you take the slave out of the slave market and you set him or her free. You set him free. And that's what Jesus has done for us. He died in our place. He died for our sins. He died so that we'd be dead to the law. 
On the handout again, I'd like for you to look down there under verse 14. And we'll go on into the conclusion. Verse 14, in order that, so that. It's used two times. Jesus' redeeming death provided for every Christian to be blessed. And in this passage, that means enjoying God's favor, God speaking well of us, being justified, which means, again, God's justice is satisfied, uh, becoming sons of God. And his redeeming death provided that we would receive the Holy Spirit at the moment of conversion. And why then did God 600 plus years later give the law? And that's what we're going to see in our next study. So, so who satisfies God's justice? One, his name is Jesus. And so, what is our response to this one who has satisfied God's justice? Do we say, I have no need of you and your death? Or do we say, bow on our knees, our faces to the ground, and say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for dying in my place, for dying for my sins, for dying so I could be freed from the performance acceptance. On your handout, righteousness or justice or God's justice satisfied does not come by law. Christianity is not a matter of some legalistic system of carefully checking off a list of do's and don'ts. Trying harder or getting better laws or doing more is not God's answer. You, you look, look, just look at our nation. What happens when a, a tragedy occurs? We need to have more laws. Does that solve the problem? No, it doesn't. We need a deliverer. We need a savior. We need a Lord. We need a God that we can trust in any situation. God's justice is satisfied. That comes by faith in Jesus and his work on the cross. By faith, we must come to Jesus and the cross where he became a curse for us. Raised from the dead, Jesus now becomes the object of our faith. The results, we become God's new creation. We are counted righteous or just, just like Abraham was by God himself. We become sons of Abraham, and we're going to see later on we're also sons of God. We're, we're blessed. We're no longer under a curse. We're redeemed. We've received the promise of the Holy Spirit. And these are just the beginning. Next week we're going to see more. These are just the beginning of our freedom in Christ. And so by faith, have you received Jesus as Lord? That's the question every person here must answer. And I realize the answer for most of you is, yes, I have. By faith, I've received him as Lord. But there are those here, I'm sure, this morning, who haven't made that decision to, well, you've, you've made a decision. You just haven't come to know him as Lord. You've rejected him. And so I pray that today is the day of salvation for you. 
And then Christian, do you know who you are and the work that was completed on the cross? What renewal of your thinking and intentional choices need to take place as a result of the truths of these verses? And I've really started stressing recently those two things. Thinking, our thinking needs to be renewed, but also we need to start making intentional choices so we just don't know the right truths. We are practicing the right truths. It's showing up in our lives so that God's glory is displayed through people like you and me. If you'd like to pray with somebody after the service, we have people up here every week. They'd be glad to pray with you, no matter what's, what's going on in your life. But I pray that there are some decisions. Perhaps some of us need to memorize those three parts of authentic Christianity and we begin to, to, to evaluate every choice, every thought, every word, every action by those three parts. And others need to be sure that what we're sharing when we share the good news of Jesus with others, that we're sharing God's good news, that we aren't sharing, well, you come to church, you know, start making sure you're in church every week, and you need to do this much Bible study every week, and you need to pray this much every day, and you need to do the, follow all these rules and laws, and it's so easy to get wrapped up in laws again, and it's not God's way. So God, we thank you for freeing us from the law. Our our standing with you is based upon our relationship with you. We, you are our loving father, and we are your children. We belong to you. And may it show up who we belong to in everyday life. Thanks for our time together this morning. It's always so special to, to share music and learning and prayer and a baptism. And just it's just really good to be gathered in the strong name of Jesus Christ, in whose name also we are dismissed. Amen.